0: Wickwire heard daily on Bible School Radio 91.3, KDKR, Decatur, Dallas-Fort Worth, and on 91.3 KYJC Commerce. Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3.
1: So what is the stock market focusing on right now? Today we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prudent Money Radio Show. I'm your host, Bob Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, if you got a question for me today, I would invite you to go to the website. We're not taking calls today. Go to the website, prudentmoney.com. There is a Q&A at the top of the page. Just click through and uh, give us your question. I get a lot of questions. Love to get them. And I do answer every one of those questions myself. And uh, just send it in. We'll get you taken care of. Also, make sure you're on the Prudent Money e-letter list. That way, we'll keep you notified every time we post something. And if you miss a program or you just prefer to listen to a podcast, then uh, you can take advantage of our uh, podcast that we do release about 10 minutes after the program. You can go to any major podcast platform and... Uh, probably search us up and find us. I think we're on pretty much every platform that there is. So all of that starts, though, at prudentmoney.com. Well, yesterday we talked a little bit about the situation in the Middle East and its potential effect on the stock market. You know, it's one of those things where your first the gut reaction is, oh, it's going to have a negative effect. Then you see the last couple of days have not been negative since this news has come out. and one of the things that you want to want uh, that you have to realize is that we're, you know, we're at the very beginnings of this. I don't think that the market can is uh, kind of assessing it looking from the, looking from afar. but if you take a day like today, there was no negative news that would really cause the markets to go down, at least up until uh, today when I'm doing this program and uh, there's been no negative news price of oil, which is one of the things that the markets are looking at, especially when you t- start talking about something in the middle of the East and, and the uncertainty that, that that can cause. But that's the last thing that we need now is climbing oil rates, which is going prices, which is going to translate to gasoline prices. So today we saw oil down about a half a percent, uh, so really... Pretty much nothing to, to uh, get to the markets. You know, really, if you dial it all back, it comes back to inflation and interest rates. So the two big drivers right now is what's going on with oil and interest rates. Interest rates were what we would call flat. They weren't either up or down, really. They were just kind of in the middle, didn't move much. And I would suggest that is not a good sign. For a risk for the markets, because you want to see the interest rates turn and go the other way. And I just don't think we're in that place quite yet to see that. And uh, what could happen in the Middle East As uh, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, but from the standpoint, and this is just purely from the standpoint of econ- economics and uh, in, in the stock market, uh, obviously not speaking to and suggesting that it's no big deal. Or anything like that. What happens with the number of lives that are lost? Nobody wants war. It's just uh, part of the situation. It's uh, it not a whole lot of information out today, so the market's going to kind of uh, vacillate in the positive direction, which is what it did. Inflation numbers, though, will come out this week on Thursday. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I was yesterday. I was thinking to myself before heading to bed. I was thinking. It is already. We're not that far from being halfway through October, and it just seems like these inflation numbers just they they come out once a month. But it just seems like they're they. I thought we just had these numbers come out last week, but it's been 30 days, and uh, yes, time does fly. And we'll see what the government has to say about inflation. Now, you know my my take on it. It's a a situation where I don't think that the numbers are even remotely, uh, remotely representative of what inflation is in this country. Having said that, and I still stick to what I said last month, I think the good news is that inflation has stabilized somewhat. And so we're not on a trajectory of uh, things going up. I think we've seen kind of the top of inflation and it's stabilized, which is good. That's the good news. The bad news is how long, and I don't think that uh, the consumer is going to be able to hang out at these price levels for that much longer because uh, if you just look at a lot of a lot of the statistics that show what consumer behavior has been, a lot of it has been charging up car, uh, credit cards. And when you're in an environment where The the credit cards are at a record rate, and I have a twenty to twenty four percent. Depends on who you listen to, who you to uh, what uh, numbers you look at. I highly doubt that people are spending money on discretionary goods and services that they could do without. I think that uh, we're seeing a lot of non discretionary spending on credit. Which is the sign of a weak consumer and a consumer probably possibly in trouble. So, you know, one of the big, the big uncertainties is, or it comes down to what shifts us and the economy into a recessionary scenario. And with the weakness that is out there, and then there are those job numbers that um, are very questionable. I'll just, I'll be nice and say very questionable. Uh, it wouldn't be much, I don't think, to push us into a recession. Uh, if you look at the real numbers, not a lot of the numbers that the government's putting out. So we'll see. I think, though, if, the, if we see interest rates go up, I mean, excuse me, inflation rates, the CPI go up. I don't think that the market's going to really like that. I mean, the market it was focusing on one of the uh, members of the Federal Reserve Board spoke in uh, in code like they like to do. But the interpretation that came about from that speech from Wall Street was that, hey, the Fed could be done tight, uh, done raising interest rates. And uh, right now on the table is like a couple of more. Uh, based on what uh, the, the Fed chair said in his last statement. And uh, he's he has uh, kept a, a pretty strong position as far as raising interest rates and it being necessary. But what they do is they send out their members to make these speeches that puts question marks into the market. And it's just this constant kind of manipulation going on. So we'll see. I I just know of a lot of uh, a lot of people I've talked to that they're struggling, and it's just one of those situations, and uh, that's the environment that we find ourselves in. You know, I did get some questions about bonds, and this is what I think is the most unfortunate situation when it comes to investing in the markets these days: is that investors. Who are extremely conservative are in most, for most part, invested in bonds because they think bonds are safe. And which could not be any further for the, from the truth, bonds do lose money, they can lose money, and, and they can lose money at the same time the stocks lose money. And so you, the first thing that you need to know about bonds. Is the difference between a single issue of a bond, or some where you buy a number of bonds from a, say a a, a bond the bond market? We'll say it that way, the bond market. And what happens is you give them, let's say, ten thousand dollars, and you buy X number of bonds, and they give you a promise that they will pay that bond back, you pay your money back in 20 years or something like that. In the meantime, during that time period, you will receive dividends, the interest off of the, the bonds, and you'll you'll get that until you get to the very end of the term, and then they give you your money back. That is in a perfect world is how bonds are supposed to work. The only thing that could go wrong is if, if they defaulted on those bonds. So once again, the the advantage to bonds, and you don't care between day one and, and the twentieth year if that bond loses money because they're still paying that interest. And and at the end of the day, at the end of the term, whether that bond is supposed to pay back at 100%. It's really nothing more than borrowing money. You're just determining you're just looking at and hoping that the individual loaning you the money doesn't default. Or excuse me, yeah, it doesn't that doesn't default and you lose your lose your principal. There's a big difference between single issues of bonds and bond funds we would say that bonds, the the single issue of bonds has a safety net because you're promised to get your money back at the end of the 20-year term. Bond funds don't work that way. You put money into a bond fund. If it loses money, it loses money. And if you sell it at at the – whenever you sell it, you could be selling at a loss. There's no guaranteed – of you getting your money back with a bond fund. Now, Granted, bond funds have been more conservatively based than a stock fund, but the problem, though, that you see with bonds comes down to this. We are entering potentially the third year in a row that bonds have lost money. Never in the 250-year-plus – I think I got that right. That's what I read. I didn't realize bond market's been around 250 years. But the 250-year-plus bond market has never lost money three years in a row. So it would be setting a uh, bad uh, record you know, you wouldn't want to see it set. And then if you look at it from a bigger picture standpoint, which I'll tell you what I'll get to in a minute. Let me go ahead and uh, wrap up this first uh, part of the program. This is Bob Brooks. We are up against a break. Stick around. and be right back. The word for today is
0: excited to announce the new official online home for the ministry of Pastor Chuck Smith and K. Smith. PastorChuck.org. At PastorChuck.org, you'll have instant access to thousands of hours of verse-by-verse teaching by Pastor Chuck Smith from Genesis through Revelation. And full access to special messages on subjects such as prophecy and much, much more. Also at PastorChuck.org, a full library of great teachings by K. Smith, and a section where you can read some of Pastor Chuck's books online, all free of charge. So visit the new official online home of The Word for Today and the ministry of Pastor Chuck and K. Smith, PastorChuck.org. How do you rally God's people to do God's work against a tide of apathy? How can you persevere in your efforts when facing opposition from within the church as well as from outside it? That's what we'll learn from Nehemiah this week on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Weekdays at 5.30 a.m. here on 91.3 KDKR. Sometimes in life it looks as though
1: evil is winning. Corruption, violence, and war seem to be all around us. But Wednesday on The Verdict, we're turning to Revelation and see the fall
0: of Babylon, the false global religion. You might be surprised how it falls, but God's justice always prevails. I'm John Monroe. Join us Wednesday on The Verdict. The Verdict, weekday mornings at 10.30, here
1: on Bible School Radio, KDKR. Welcome back. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money radio show that uh, ending kind of the first part of the program snuck up on me. Sorry about that. Hey, if you got a question for me, you can go to prudentmoney.com, send it in, and I will get you taken care of. We're talking about bonds, how single issue of bonds. So let's say that you buy a bond for ABC Company, and it's really a loan of your money to until the day that they pay it back, and in the meantime, they pay you interest. So what you obviously don't want to see is a lot of bond defaults and that kind of thing, because that hurts all bonds. But bond mutual funds have really had a tough time. I looked up a a pretty popular bond mutual fund, and the two years ago, the bond lost about 2%. I know that's not a whole lot, but keep in mind, though, that you are – you're looking at a situation where bonds have not really lost money. In fact, I, I can go back off the top of my head and think of when the last time bonds lost money. I think it was in 2000, in 2008, and in 1994 was pretty much, 1994 was the biggest month. And that was the, Fed, the Federal Reserve Board, just like today, started raising interest rates about February of that year. And bonds had a tough time. Stocks were pretty much; uh, they were down just a little bit. But uh, bonds had had a tough time. But you're, the the average bond fund was down four percent, not much. And but in last year, you saw this particular bond that I'm telling you about. It's a bond index fund, so it's good representation of the, the bond bonds as an investment. Period. That bond lost 13% last year and so far this year is down almost 2% and uh if it, it you know the the fourth quarter is always an interesting quarter of the year as things wrap up for uh, 2023 so we'll see what happens but the question that, that comes in is should i sell my bonds and at this stage in the game and I'm speaking of mutual funds, and I'm not giving it any advice. This is just my thoughts. My This stage in the game where you've already taken the bigger loss, of course, there could be more losses uh, coming down the road, but I think that we, from the bond market standpoint, I think we're maybe towards the end of all this than the middle part of it, let's just say. So I wouldn't, and it, and it really depends on Your situation as to whether you, if you need to sell bonds or if you need to do something else, that is why I offer no cost advice, thirty minutes, and you can sign up for that on the on the the website if you want to get on my schedule and then tell me a little bit more specifics of your situation than you more so than you can do so and ask Bob. It's something that I hold. Uh, some time each week, and if you can find an opening, then you can sign up for that, and we'll get you. We'll get the phone call on the books, and uh, get you taken care of. But that's something that uh, that I'm starting up, that I'm very committed to doing. So if you got questions about anything, money or financial wise, we can schedule that thirty-minute phone call, and I will be happy to give you my opinion, and uh, let you know what uh, your potential options are. So. Selling your bond funds, yes, maybe no. It, it just depends on your situation. Everything, and this is this is why I go back to the robo-advisors and uh, the computerized financial planner that's supposed to take care of everything for you. I don't believe that they can figure out these uh, the emotional uh, aspect that goes into investing. Just thought I'd throw that in. So we talked about it the other day. Yesterday we were talking about uh, cars, buying a car, you know, one of the things that you're really wanting to do is get a good value for a card. So I was talking about some of the things that you could do to get information. And uh, just real quick, I'm going to go through there, go through there, uh, through some things we talked about yesterday. Uh one of the main things we talked about is you can get a good value of what your car is worth by going to autotrader.com not representing that uh or promoting that that website it's just an inf- it's just a site with a ton of information about cars on it. And you can go, you can do a filter of exactly what car you're looking for, what color, what how many miles and you can pu- you can pull up all the cars that are in the country that are through autotrader which is a lot. And you can see what they're going for. And that you can start to get an idea. Then you can also go to Kelly Blue Book, which is KBB.com, push, uh, put in your information, answer some questions about damage to the car, uh, overall appearance of the car, and then they will give you what they estimate that it's worth as a trade in or as a, as a private buyer, uh, private seller, uh, selling it or whatever you're doing with the car. Then you can also take it to, there's dealerships that will buy the car from you and it's good to get an idea of what that cost would be too, especially if you're trading in your car and uh, you'll want to know, well, you know, I could get my, a higher amount of money than you're offering me for a trade in and you can get them to probably adjust the, adjust the numbers. I talked about the car facts and what was so very important about that. And the Carfax is something that you'll see on most cars on Auto Trader. It's a free report, or you'll have to pay for it if it's not there. And this shows all the history of the car. If you're if this car is selling for a lot lower price, you might look to see if there's been a wreck or if there's been any tidal work or anything like that, any big problems. If it's been a car that's been flooded, that's definitely something that you gotta pay attention to. And, you, and one of the most important pieces of the information is you can see exactly how long that car has been on the lot on, for sale. So if it's been there for th- two or three months, they may be a little bit more motivated to sell it at uh, maybe a lower price to get rid of it. Because remember, it costs them money to hang on to that car and interest rates do affect the car business as well. One of the, the oldest tricks in the book or, sales processes in the book for your dealerships is to go back, figure up the estimate of the car, what they're going to give, give you for the trade in. If, if you're trading in a car, it may make a lot more sense today to sell, sell a car outright being what the market is. The price of the card is the, and then the interest rate and the financing and say for a, you know, for a, uh, uh, a price of X amount of dollars, this, you know, payment. Do you think, you know, and they sell you on the payment. Can you handle the payment? And that's, uh, and generally speaking, it's an emotional sell. It's an emotional transaction. So you, you, you rush to justify. Can I, can I, can I justify making this payment? And the payments are high today because interest rates are so high. I mean, nothing like they were about a year and a half ago. So my advice, never mix the value of the car, the value of the trade-in, or the value of the financing. Make sure that you're not talking about all three of them at once. Maybe make sure that you are talking about them on an individual basis. So determine what they're going to give you, the value of the car. Don't even mention that you're going to trade in at this point. And then the value of the trade-in, what would you give me for that? And then the financing, which you can always, you know, I always say go and get your financing cleared, get accepted, and before you even step foot into a, a dealership. It's very important. The next thing was remember, be reasonable. It makes no sense. To get down to, let's say you had a goal of buying a car at twenty-five thousand, and you get within two hundred dollars of the twenty-five thousand dollars, and you and you still are fighting for that two hundred bucks. At some at some point, you got to be reasonable, and uh, realize that you know the that they they need to make their money, they need to pay sales commissions, and of course, I'm not saying just give in, but just remember, yeah, I think you can take negotiation too far, and all that does is just put a big stressor on everything just my own thoughts a car with high mileage and a car that high mileage car with records is not something that uh, is a bad thing if you have a very well maintained car and you're getting it a discount anyway because of the high mileage you might check and see if that that makes the most sense that's why it's so very important to keep receipts and keep um statements of what you've had done to the car that's that's valuable information and versus a low mileage you want to make sure that it's they've done the uh the maintenance on that and uh just remember the low mileage car can have all kinds of problems with it because it's not been driven very much but it's going to be at a premium of course and you'll, it goes without saying, across the board, you'll want to get all these cars, whether high mileage, low mileage, medium mileage, just right mileage, you want to get these cars checked out to make sure that they are in good shape. Now, remember, Carfax can show whether there's been an accident or a wreck or you've run into something, they can talk about the details. One of the things Tony Joe on Friday has always told me, is that with a car that's been in an accident, it could have been what he calls a throwaway part. Maybe they just had to replace the bumper, so it didn't cause any internal damage, didn't bend the frame, didn't do anything like that. So don't shy away from that kind of thing. It's, as long, you, know, you want to check the paint job and make sure that it, that it looks good, but uh, that's something that can be a great value because they have to discount the price, and they got the discount when they bought it, or when they traded uh, when they bought the trade-in and uh, it can be it can end up being a really good deal but once again it comes back to that one thing of uh, step get the car checked out and make sure that it's in, in great great shape uh, the cost of, uh, of automobiles has gotten outrageous so make I hope you can listen to some of these and if you missed any of these tips go back listen to the podcast and I get some of this information because you definitely want to be careful if you're out buying a car today. This is Bob Brooks. If you got a question for me, please go to the website at www.prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time, keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today.